Hello, this is Dale Dreps. I am with St. George Episcopal Church of Lady Lake, Florida. And I have the honor to chair the search committee as uh, our church calls its next, next rector. And I uh, have been working with Father Dan Smith of the Diocese of Central Florida. Um, and I will be asking him a few questions about this whole process of calling a new rector. He is our consultant supplied to us by our Bishop, Greg Brewer. Uh, so Dan, welcome. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we're really delighted to have you uh, as a part of our Musings <clears throat> on Faith uh, podcast. So our goal today is to shed light on the process we will follow here at St. George. Okay. And, um, our, but our parishioners are actually quite curious about you. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, uh, I guess that's a good place to start. Um, what to tell, I'm a, a fourth generation native Floridian. Um, my father was uh, involved in the agriculture business in Florida, um, citrus vegetables and cattle. Um, and grew up, you know, kind of in that, in that lifestyle here in central Florida. Uh, I used to hunt and fish up near where the villages are these days. Oh, really? I can, you know, I can remember that as a, as a kid and as a teenager. Um, I'm married. Um, Evelyn and I have been married for 40, almost 43 years. We have grown children, five grandchildren. Um, have a daughter over in Tampa with her family and a son in Columbia, South Carolina with his. He's a He's also an Episcopal priest, um, and uh, which is always interesting that we share not only the family things, but the professional stuff as well. I was I grew up in Central Florida. I was ordained in the Diocese of Central Florida, both to, to the diaconate and the priesthood, and served three congregations in Central Florida before uh, being called away from this diocese. And part of that was uh, I formed and founded uh, St. Matthew's in Orlando. Um, as the founding vicar of that congregation. And then um, somehow we moved all the way to Honolulu and uh, lived in Honolulu for eight years where I was rector of a church there. Um, from there, we went to the Diocese of Iowa uh, where the bishop was an old friend and asked me to come and work with a very troubled uh, congregation. And so we went up there and, um, and worked with that uh, congregation and really brought them back to a place of health. Um, from there, um, the priest who was in the neighboring church to mine in Iowa got elected Bishop of Missouri, and he asked me to go with him, and uh, I became his canon of the ordinary, which is sort of, I used to say that if the bishop was the captain of the ship, then the canon of the ordinary was the executive officer. Um, made the trains run on time and, and ran his staff for him, and did um, uh, a lot of work with congregations, including searches. Um, and probably while I was in that diocese and in that position, I was there for a little over 12 years um, and probably did 60 plus searches um, in that diocese. And then I've done searches in other dioceses as well. So um, retired, actually retired early, um, but realized I wasn't quite done. So I worked part-time at Holy Cross Episcopal Church. And then I worked part-time as a consultant for the Diocese of Central Florida. And actually, I still run part of my dad's old land and cattle business. Um, it's very small these days, but um, 
it's more of a hobby than anything else, but it pays for vacations. So that's, you know, we have a hobby that pays for a vacation. That's pretty good. Sounds good to me. I, I always say I'm very happy that my husband is still <laughs> because someone has to fund my golf addiction. That's right. It works. Yeah. Uh, well, it sounds, Father Dan, like you are intimately familiar with the process of calling a new rector. And I'm hoping that for our listeners, uh, you could just give us a brief overview of the process so that everyone understands how we're doing this and, and why it works. Sure, I think we can do that. Um, I kind of look at this um, in um, five parts, I guess, probably really six part. The first part would be saying goodbye to the previous rector. Um, and that's an important puzzle. I've always said that if you do a good goodbye, you do, it makes it easier to do a good hello. Uh, you need to end one chapter to begin a new chapter. So I guess really there's six parts to this. First part being saying goodbye, which of course St. George has already done. The second piece of the puzzle is really an incredibly important piece uh, because it builds the foundation for uh, the relationship with the new rector. And that's developing what's a clear, honest, accurate uh, picture of the congregation, where the congregation has been. It's, so it's past, it's present, and it's future. You need to have that clear, honest um, picture of the congregation because it gives you an idea of what the needs really are. It allows you to know for sure what you want to carry over from the past and the present into the future. But it also allows you to know what changes might need to be made and certainly what challenges would face a new rector. Rectors wanna be challenged. They don't wanna come in and just dust shelves. Um, and, um, and so they want challenges and at least high quality ones do. And St. George is obviously looking for a high quality rector. Um, and so you want that clear, honest picture. It gives you the ability to um, have a clear understanding of, of the people who might match um, St. Saint, uh, George's. You really want somebody that, you know, to use an old expression that sort of fits hand in glove um, with, with you all, uh, because that makes for a long-term or makes it possible for a long-term pastorate, which is what most congregations would really like to have. I think St. George is being one of those. The third part then would be to collect and collate and sort of write a narrative out of all that data that has been, um, that's been put together. Um, that all that data will go into uh, two places. One of the places it will go into is your own website uh, that allows you to do a full update of your website, some of which your congregation's already done, but you may learn some things in the midst of interviews that allow you to update the website even further. Part of the reason you wanna do that is not only because new people to the villages will look at your website, wanna know who you are before perhaps they come to church, but also every priest that we sort of began to have a conversation with is going to go to your website as well and want to learn about the congregation as much as they possibly can. The second thing you do with all that data is you, you fill out what is called the Office of Transition Ministry Portfolio. The Office of Transmission, Transition Ministry is um, an office at 815 in New York City where the National Church Headquarters is. Um, it maintains a database of, of many of the congregations, certainly all the congregations that are in the search process, 
and it maintains a database that has portfolios uh, representing virtually all the active clergy in the Episcopal Church. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,500 clergy have portfolios in the computer um, at um, 815 in, in the National Church Headquarters. And that's part of what we'll use to uh, search. But this portfolio also um, allows you to take that accurate, honest picture that you've done, build this portfolio, um, and the meat of that portfolio are 11 questions that will be answered. Now, the interesting thing is, is that this portfolio that clergy have, the clergy are asked the exact same 11 questions. Sort of the pronouns are changed rather than, you know, rather than the meat of the question. And that also allows you to do the comparison, to work hard at comparing apples to apples and find that person that, that really matches. So that's kind of the third part of this. Um, the fourth part is, um, is seeking names. Um, and we're gonna seek names from several locations. We're gonna ask the members of St. George's if they know anybody that they think should be considered. We will ask the clergy of the Diocese of Central Florida for potential nominations. We will ask the bishop, uh, and perhaps I should have said him first, but we will certainly ask the bishop if he and his office if he has names that he would like the folks at St. George's to consider. We will also post the portfolio that St. George's does on the National Church's website um, and allow clergy to see it and, um, and respond if they will. Um, and, and that is apply uh, for the position of, of rector. Um, and then um, we will certainly, there'll be some word of mouth and things like that that's you know, sort of a subsidiary to all of the above um, where we will collect those names. So that's kind of the next part. And then they go into, um, obviously you go into the evaluation of whatever those candidates' names are. Uh, <clears throat> we could end up, you know, my guess is we could end up with anywhere from five to 25 or, or more names. My hope is we'll, we'll arrive at somewhere between 10 and 20, 15, 16 names to start with. I think that would be a healthy start. Um, we'll kind of see where we go. But then there's an evaluation, there's interviews, there's visits that take place of the final candidates actually coming to the villages and, and being at St. George's uh, for a time, probably in the midst, in the middle of a week. Um, and then the very last phase of the search process is welcoming the new priest into town. Um, just as you've started it with a really good goodbye of the old rector, you start the new one with a really good welcome. Um, and, uh, and you look forward to that, that first, not only that first Sunday, but sort of first event, you know, whether the, maybe there's a dinner and maybe there's just, you know, some time of fun. Um, as you, as you welcome the new priest and his or her uh, family. Um, into your midst. That's an overview of what the process looks like. Well, that, that was very complete, thank you. So it sounds like um, uh, most Episcopal churches in the United States follow this process or is, is it just Central Florida? No, I think that the process, um, the process that's used in Central Florida has significant similarities from all across the country. Um, and uh, part of that is because of the, uh, is, is not only that it, it allows us to have a centralized database with the names in it and the portfolios and the clergy in it, 
I mean, I'm retired and I'm happy and I don't want to go anywhere, but I have a portfolio in the computer, you know, in New York as well. And it's, I mean, it's just part of it to have that. And then the other thing is, is that, is that people who do what I do, um, transition ministry, meet together on a regular basis. Um, I don't go to those, many of those meetings anymore, but Scott Holcomb, our can the ordinary in the diocese does. And um, for all, you know, all the transition officers in province four, which is the Southeast United States meet together twice a year. Um, groups of other provinces meet together twice a year. Um, there's usually a national conference every year or every other year. This last year, of course, none of that took place because of COVID. But there are, because of those gatherings and because of that networking, there really is sort of a, um, at least the outline and maybe a little more than an outline of a process that's used for, in virtually every diocese in the country. That said, every diocese has its own, you know, sort of quirks or own details and, you know, and things like that that they do. And, and certainly Central Florida has those, you know, like any other diocese would. But yeah, the process, generally speaking, and a broad brushstroke piece is done nationally. Mm -hmm. Great. All right, so we're right in sync with our national church, which is good to know. So I've had some questions from parishioners. Sure. I'd like to just hurl at you, Father Dan. No problem. So, um, one question I received early on was, who selects our new rector? Is it you, our consultant, or is it the search committee? Well, in some ways, it's neither one. Um, you know, let's you know, let's start there. Uh, first of all, let's really make sure that it's understanding what my role is. My role really is to as is the role of a coach. Um, I am not playing the game. Um, you know, St. George's is really playing the game. My role is to is to coach. It's to teach. Um, it's to try to get you in a place as it, you as the congregation. Um, in a place where you can, in fact, select a really good priest uh, to be the rector who really does match St. George's and really can live, you know, and, and minister for a considerable length of time there at St. George's in what would be a great, respected, loving, um, wonderful relationship. Well, the primary group that I coach is the search committee. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, that's the primary group that I coach. And the search committee's role is to get that clear, honest picture that I talked about a while ago. It's to collate all that data, you know, to fill out, you know, the forms and to write the narratives and make sure the website is up to date and then begin the evaluation of candidates. But at some point, the search committee will actually turn this over to the vestry. Uh, and the search committee will present to the vestry one or two maybe three names at the, at the outside, but certainly one or two names um, to the vestry. And then the vestry will actually do the final um, interviews and do the final um, selection of who they wish to be called as the rector of the church, which is of course why the vestry is so important and why even vestry elections, you know, that happen once a year are so important because they really, that they, the vestry really is representing the rest of the congregation and representing the needs, desires, hopes, dreams of the congregation as they make that final selection. Okay, great. And then um, I have one other question for you uh, that I've been asked, and that is, why don't we just post a help wanted ad and have Father Ed, our current 
uh, associate rector, uh, an acting rector, uh, review some resumes and choose somebody? Well, sure. I mean, you know, I, I suppose some people would think that that was an easier way um, and certainly probably would be a quicker way of, of going about it. Um, but it's, it's likely not to end up with a, with a good match um, for probably several reasons. Um, first of all, it leaves out doing the homework. You know, I believe that the work that is currently taking place at St. George's, the interviews that are taking place, the Zoom meetings, the in-person meetings, the filling out of questionnaire, all of those types of things allow you to truly do your homework as a congregation and truly get a feel for what the congregation hopes for, dreams about, you know, what the high, what the important qualities they see in a new rector. Um, and so this process allows for the congregation to really be engaged and involved. And um, that's, an, you know, that's important. I guess to a certain degree, we are hanging out a help wanted sign when we post on the portfolio uh, with the national church. And certainly as we um, allow clergy in the diocese um, to know that this opening is in place and that you're receiving names. Then, then lastly, you know, Father Ed, and I, I know Father Ed, I love Father Ed, uh, but Father Ed's too close, you know, to the, to the process. Um, you really, and not only that, but priests, no matter how good they are, priests come and priests go. Um, the congregation stays and the lay people in the congregation really stay involved and engaged and in the and in the church. And so they really need to be the ones that are ultimately making the decision about who the new rector will be. I mean, it really is the congregation. Um, the congregation is, I believe, theologically the body of Christ gathered together. Um, and to rely on the previous rector to choose their successor to allow an interim or a priest associate um, like Father Ed is, um, ignores, I think, uh, in, in a really bad way, uh, ignores the fact that it's really the body of Christ, the people um, who are there at St. George's who really make up the church. Uh, and, and having the clergy do it would also lend us to what was a problem in the early church and, and in some ways and still in some, kind of, some denominations today of just sort of rampant clericalism and the old father knows best you know, idea. And, you know, I just don't want anybody to play that game anymore. Um, it really is, I believe, the community of faith gathered together that needs to prayerfully make this decision. Wow, that's, uh, that's an interesting view on this. And I'm, I'm um, happy that you were able to articulate that so well. I'm, I'm very sure that our listeners and our viewers um, have learned a lot uh, from everything you've told us. Now I have one last question for you. And that is, what is the role of the St. George parishioners uh, in this process and what can they do to help? Sure, well, I think there, there's four things that, that every parishioner I hope um, at least has the opportunity to do. Uh, they get to choose, I suppose, about what they do and not do. But there's uh, four things that I really hope they will do. The first thing that I hope that every parishioner at St. George's will do is to pray. I believe this process has to be steeped in prayer. 
Um, one of the things that I told the search committee early on is that they are working to call a respected leader, not hire a priest. And that calling of a respected leader has to be grounded in prayer. And that's something that everybody in the church, young, old, and in between, that's something that everybody can engage in. And I don't think that we can um, uh, underplay um, the importance of that. Uh, it, it's, and I don't think we can overstate the importance of it either. You know, that prayer is just is absolutely essential. The second thing that I hope parishioners will do is to stay engaged, to be engaged in the process of gathering the information, process that your congregation is already in the midst of, um, but they need to be engaged. They need to make sure their voice is heard and, and there's plenty of opportunities for their voice to be heard. Um, and, and so they want to, you would want to do that. The second or the third thing that I would hope parishioners would do is if they happen to know a priest that they believe would be a good fit, that they would submit those names. They would send those names to you and you're going to send them to me because I do um, some background um, checks and things like that on them early on. Um, but I hope that, you know, and this may only be a very few parishioners that, that do this, but it's still another place for the congregation to be engaged. And then the fourth and final thing, and, and maybe even the most important thing is as important as those other things are, uh, the fourth thing is to welcome, you know, to welcome the new priest when they arrive uh, and to do that with some enthusiasm, to do that with um, love and respect and, and excitement about what the uh, future is going to hold. So pray, be engaged, give names if you have them, and then to welcome the new priest four ways that the congregation really can be involved. That's wonderful. And in fact, we've already had two parishioners come forward and suggest uh, and nominate uh, some priests. So I'm very happy to say that I think St. George is in a pretty good spot right now. Uh, we've had uh, tremendous enthusiasm in uh, coming to our group interviews and we have a lot more work to do, of course. Um, I will also uh, say that um, I've so enjoyed working with you, Father Dan, and I know I speak for the rest of the search committee when I say that we are delighted and very grateful to you for your guidance uh, so far. And we'll be continuing to work with you over the next several months. Yeah, the next so few months, we're going to engage with one another four or five times at least. Right. So, so I'm looking forward to it, too. And thank you for your kind words. Oh, we've, uh, we've absolutely loved working with you. And um, I also wanna thank you for taking the time today. I know you're a very busy man and I appreciate your making this video with us. This is a part of St. George's online outreach efforts. Uh, we call our podcast series Musings on Faith. And uh, these will be available uh, via podcast and uh, via video. Um, the video will most likely be available to our parishioners and the podcasts to anyone. Sure. So uh, listeners, if you have questions, uh, please send them via email to us at musingsonfaith at gmail.com. Thank you very much and God bless. Thank you.